Our gospel lesson this morning is from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter, verses 14 through 30. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who is leaving on a trip. He called his servants and handed his possessions over to them. To one he gave five valuable coins, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. He gave to each servant according to that servant's ability. Then he left on his journey. After the man left, the servant who had five valuable coins took them and went to work doing business with them. He gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two valuable coins gained two more. But the servant who had received the one valuable coin dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five valuable coins came forward with five additional valuable coins. He said, Master, you gave me five valuable coins. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, Excellent. You are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. The second servant also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two valuable coins. Look, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, you are a good and faithful servant. I put you in charge of a little. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. Now the one who had received one valuable coin came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man. You harvest grain where you haven't sown. You gather crops where you haven't spread seed. So I was afraid, and I hid my valuable coin in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. His master replied, You evil and lazy servant! You knew that I harvest grain where I haven't sown, and that I gather crops where I haven't spread seed? In that case, you should have turned my money over to the bankers, so that when I return, you could give me what belonged to me with interest. Therefore, take from him the valuable coin and give it to the one who has ten coins. Those who have much will receive more, and they will have more than they need. But as for those who don't have much, even the little bit they have will be taken away from them. Now take the worthless servant and throw him outside into the darkness. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we are at the, uh, the fourth Sunday of our four Sunday sermon series on stewardship. And we've talked about how we can support the church and how it's important to support the church with our prayers, our presence, and our service. And this morning we're going to talk about how we support the church with our gifts. We're getting down to the money talk. Um, not my favorite subject as a preacher to preach on, but something that's important. You know, we're, we're told to give. And when we join the church, we make a commitment that we're going to give. So I want to spend a little time talking about how we're going, how to, to make that work and why it's important for us. Not just for our spiritual health, but also for the health of our church. Because if the church doesn't have the money to keep the lights on, then we can't reach out to people, we can't do ministry. And so it's important and it impacts more than just ourselves, whether or not we give to the church. I was out riding around running errands and was driving through a parking lot. I don't even remember what town or which store it was, but I was struck by there was this really pretty car. It was a Mercedes. 
Y'all, I got a soft spot for a Mercedes. I've never had one, I probably never will, but since I was a kid, my dream car has been a Mercedes convertible. Don't even care about the color, I just want the car. So there's this really pretty Mercedes sitting there, and it wasn't a convertible, but it was a really pretty Mercedes. And on the front of the car, it had one of those vanity plates that said blessed. But that's interesting. I wonder if the person driving, and I wouldn't necessarily argue with the fact that that person who has that car is blessed, but the thought crossed my mind, if you had my car, my used 2016 Ford Escape, would you still feel blessed? You know, are, are, you are you blessed because you're rolling around in a Mercedes, or, or are you blessed because you're happy with what you've got, and because you recognize that everything you got came from God anyway? It doesn't really make a difference how much we have. All of what we have came from God. And part of why I chose the scripture I did this morning, you, you can go in a lot of different directions preaching a, a sermon on stewardship, taking scriptures out of the Bible. The reason I did this one, and we usually hear this as the story of the talents. And the talent is the name of the valuable coin in question. So the translation I'm reading from uses the words valuable coin because that's what it was. But it was called a talent, which works real nicely in English because then you can do a sermon on giving your talents to God as in the stuff that you're good at. And we've talked about that already. We, we did that with service. We did that with presence. But I want to talk today about the valuable coins. Notice that the master gives the, different, the three servants different, amount, different amounts of coins. One got five, one got two, one got one. Not everybody had the same amount of stuff. And the master goes away and says, here, take care of this. The one servant took his five coins. He went and he made five more coins. Second servant had two coins. He went away and made two more coins. And the servant with one coin decided he didn't care too much for the master, so he buried it and gave it back to the master. Now notice when the master has his reckoning with his servants, he is every bit as pleased with the guy who made five coins for him as he is with the guy who made two coins for him. Both of them get favorable reviews. You've done good work. You did what I asked you to do. Thank you. Come on, we're going to celebrate. The only one he gets upset with is the one who took his talent and buried it in the yard. Because he didn't do anything with it. And it wasn't his to do nothing with. He was given it to be a steward of it. He was given it to take care of it. And the master said, look, if you were so afraid of me, why didn't you at least give it to the bank? And you could have given it back to me with interest. If you were really afraid of me, why didn't you do at least the minimum to do something with it. I asked you, I told you to take care of this for me. And really what God is doing with us on earth is what we have is ours to take care of for a little while. You can't take it with you when you go. You do not see U-Hauls in cemeteries behind verses. When you're done with it on this earth, it's done, it's gone, it's over. You can pass it to your kids, you can give it to charity, but you can't take it with you. So it behooves us to know that what we have is a gift and to treat it like a gift. John Wesley had a saying with regard to money. John Wesley preached a good bit about money. 
Um, John Wesley didn't care about stepping on people's toes, and he, he didn't have to answer to an SBRC committee at that point. So <laughs> John Wesley preached a good bit about money. And he had, he had three recommendations. Earn all you can, save all you can, and then give all you can. And that's good basic stewardship. John Wesley didn't have a problem with folks making money. He was okay with that. Go out, work hard, and earn your keep. It was what you did with the rest of it that John worried about. John Wesley, and, and John Wesley lived at this stuff. Okay, John Wesley didn't just, you know, there, you have preachers who stand up in front of you sometimes, and, and we'll tell y'all what to do, and we think we can go on and just do what we do, which is no way to be a preacher or to preach. Wesley actually lived this stuff. He was worried about, he had had a situation where he was getting some money, and he was spending so much money because he had money to spend, that supposedly the story is told that a woman came to him in dire need. And he didn't have enough money on hand to help her. And Wesley decided, that's it, I'm doing things differently. We're not doing this again. One year, his income was 30 pounds. Which in that day and time wasn't a bad income, that was pretty nice. His living expenses were 28 pounds, so he had two pounds to give away, and he did. The next year, his income doubled. So his income now is 60 pounds, but he'd still lived on 28 pounds. So he had 32 pounds to give to the poor. In the third year, his income jumped to 90 pounds. Instead of letting his expenses rise with his income, he kept them to 28 pounds and gave away 62 pounds. In the fourth year, he received 120 pounds. As before, his expenses were 28 pounds, so his giving rose to 92 pounds. One of the things that Wesley did that, that we tend to be terrible about is as Wesley's income went up, he didn't let his expenses rise with his income. You know, we, we tend to have a feeling, whether it's in our personal budgets or even with the church budgets, we got a little extra money, spend it. What do, what do we need? What can we use? What have we been putting off? Let's spend it. And, and we get into trouble that way. And so Wesley said, no, nah, I'm going to keep my expenses flat. Now, bear in mind that Wesley is a bit of a special case. It's true in several senses, but particularly for this, in this context. Wesley is a single man living alone, no wife, no children to support. It's just him. So he has the ability to keep his expenses very, very level. He doesn't have a kid that needs braces. He doesn't have a wife that gets sick. He, bless his heart, stayed hale and hearty and healthy his whole life. So he didn't have major medical expenses for him. So he is a yes, he is a special case, but we can learn some things from him about trying to keep expenses down and then what do we do with the rest of it. So he didn't save a lot of money because he didn't need to have a lot of money on hand. If he had a family, he probably would have saved. But because it was just him, he could just take what he needed for his expenses and let the rest of it go. But one year, his income was a little over 1,400 pounds. That's a big, it was a big sum of money back then. He lived on 30 pounds and gave away the vast majority of the 1,400 pounds. He was afraid of laying up treasures on earth. So the money went out in charity just as fast as it came in. 
And Wesley would tell people that he never had more than 100 pounds on him at any one time. He just didn't. He just he gave it away. So it's important to be willing to give. You know, we, we tend to, to manage our money out of fear of, I'm not going to have enough. What if I don't have enough? What, what if? What if I get sick? What if a family member gets sick? What if something breaks down? I have learned over the years that the fastest way to incur a major expense is to buy something big. Every time I have bought something big, something major is broken down the following week. So, and then I'm wondering, then I'm scrambling trying to figure out how am I going to pay for the thing that broke down because I just bought this big thing over here. That maybe I should, maybe I didn't really need that big thing after all. So it's important how we handle our money. But it's important too that we not handle our money all by ourselves because it's not our money, first and foremost. It's God's money. There's a quote from Charles Stanley that I had seen on Terry's Facebook page. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you out since you put it out on Facebook, I figure it's fair game. And then Sandra Barker at the Trinity Church forwarded it to me knowing I was gonna be doing a sermon series on stewardship. Charles Stanley said, when people leave God out of their finances, they're gonna have problems. Where does God fit into our finances? Where he should be in every aspect of our lives at the very center. So when we make decisions about how we're going to deal with our money, we need to do it with God at the center of the decision. What, you know, there, there, back when I was in guys, college and seminary, there were little rubber bracelets running around with WWJD on them, what would Jesus do? And, and that's not a bad question. I mean, it gets kind of cliche, but it's not a bad question. You're making a decision. You're making a financial decision. What would God have me do with this money? Now, in the same way that I don't think that God really is worried about whether or not you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch today, I don't really think God is concerned about whether or not you're going to buy a dozen eggs at the grocery store. But when it comes time to figure out the big patterns of what are we going to do with this, or how am I going to get through this, or money's really tight right now, what am I, how, how are we going to make this work? that God needs to be in those decisions. That we need to go to God in prayer and ask for guidance and ask for wisdom to help us be good stewards of what we've been given. Because whether you've got a lot or you've got a little, you've got to take care of what you have. God's not worried. God doesn't want a church full of millionaires necessarily, or he, he would have made us all millionaires. And I don't believe for a second the preachers who stand up and say, well, God told me that I need a new personal jet plane. And I want y'all to pay for it. That, that's not stewardship, y'all. That's greed. But when we make decisions about our finances, when we start to think about what, what can we do, what are we going to do with our money, or why am I falling short, why can't I make ends meet, we need God in the middle of that. Because God, as, in, as is the case in every other aspect of our lives, God's willing to help us if we're willing to reach out. And we reach out to God with a certain attitude of being grateful. Stewardship of any sort is not possible without being grateful. I don't care if you're talking about praying, if you're talking about being in church, if you're talking about serving God, or you're talking about your money. You're not going to be a good steward if you're not thankful in the first place. We've got to appreciate what we have before we're willing to give any of it away. And 
The stewardship sermons and campaigns, this stuff tends to come in the fall. Y'all get this about the same time of year. If, if you get it at all, you're going to get it about now. And the reason you get it about now is because, not because the preacher's been preaching all year and they've run out of stuff to say, but because at the end of the year, that's when churches are trying to plan their budgets for the coming year. And the church has to figure out what kind of funding they can expect for their budget. Because the folks at the electric company are still going to expect the lights to be paid. The folks in the conference office, if you're a United Methodist, are going to expect apportionments to be paid because they need money to do ministry, to get their ministries funded. So we have to, so we have to spend time thinking about money. There, there are people who say, you shouldn't talk about money in the church. Well, we need to. Because money is how we operate in the world. It's just, it's part of being a human. We gotta have some way to get what we need, and we gotta have a way to take care of others who don't have what they need. I want to say just a couple of, of practical considerations when you're thinking about your giving to the church. There is tithing. Tithing is the gold standard of giving. It's 10%. Tithing can be hard. I've had a really difficult few years financially. I will admit I do not tithe, so I'm not going to tell you you got to tithe because I tithe, because I don't. But I'm working toward tithing. And what I would encourage you to do is to sit down and look. And if you're not tithing, work toward it. Do a little better each year. What, I, what I've tried to do with my churches that don't pay their apportionments in full is say, hey, let's try to do a little more next year than we did this year. Let's take little steps toward it, and then we'll get there. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Tithing is what the Bible tells us we're supposed to do. 10% of everything you got goes to God. It's real simple, real easy. And when you think about it, Charles Stanley also had the example of trusting God. God's asking you to trust him with one penny out of every dime you get. And when you think of it in those terms, it, it sounds pretty simple. It's pretty basic. Math is easy. Sometimes we get ourselves in the pickles where the math isn't adding up. But we can try to start. If we can't do one penny out of every dime, maybe we can do a penny out of every three dimes. And then maybe next year we can do a penny out of every two dimes. And then maybe next year we'll be up to one penny out of every dime. So just sort of baby step through it. Giving consistently when you're not here is really, really important to the church. And we saw that in the pandemic. And I want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who kept the church going during the pandemic. But it's really important now that we're meeting on a regular basis that we remember that just because you go on vacation, the church does not go on vacation. So we need your gifts, whether you're, you're in the pews or you're not in the pews. Um, because the church has the same expenses to deal with. We've still got the light bill. We've still got the water bill. We've still got all that stuff going on. Um, and so I just encourage you, you got us through the pandemic. The doors are still open. And that's not true of every church. So y'all did good. I wasn't here with you through the bulk of that, but y'all did good. So keep, let's keep up the good work. And I told y'all I, I wanted to give y'all a challenge each week with the stewardship service, something for you to take home and to think about, to work on. And as we're gathering around the table with our families and our friends for Thanksgiving, my challenge to you is to take a few minutes to give thanks to God for all that God's done for you. And ask yourself, how is that gratitude, how is your feeling toward God, your gratitude toward God expressed in the way you give stewardship to God? Are you living out what you feel? 
Consider your financial giving, but also look back at these previous weeks of the sermon series. How is your stewardship with regard to your prayers, your presence, your service, and your gifts? Where are you doing good? Where are you being super faithful? And where maybe you need to step up your stewardship just a little bit? I want to close with this quote from Teresa of Avila because this is why these things are important. This is why stewardship is important. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Be blessed and be a blessing. Amen.